Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, doing, Shazam? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's uh, nice to finally talk to you. It's uh, just giving me today. Yeah, it's good to meet you too. How are you guys all doing? I'm Cali. Uh, it's great, man. It's um, well, to a point. Uh, the coronavirus over here is uh, it's gotten a little, it's gotten like real bad as far as like a surge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as far as like even where I'm working at too. Um, there's been like cases like almost every day of, of oh, just wow. somebody getting it. And so, um, yeah, our governor's just trying to figure something out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, other, that's nuts. It's, uh, it's, it's still good. Right. I'm over here in Ohio and <laughs> I, I'm sad to say it's, it's quite the opposite. Um, cause we, when, when all this started, our governor just like shut everything down immediately. And, and again, Ohio is nowhere near as, as large or as interconnected as Cali is. So, but yeah, I'm I'm um I'm actually uh, a potential business information systems major, so I'm looking to move out to Cali long term and work in Silicon Valley. So uh, hopefully the situation gets better by the time uh, I plan my move out there. Oh yeah, when when you uh, when you plan on moving out here? It, within the next five to seven years, so not not that long. Or I mean, not it, hopefully the, the virus won't be that big of a issue by then. But just that's just my. Uh, my you know like a, a, a you know pipe dream hopefully to get out there yeah i mean um like hey five to six years that's i mean that's still a pretty good time out there i mean mm-hmm. silicon valley also too it's it's beautiful it's uh it's beautiful out there as well mm-hmm. i've been out there like probably twice i mean i'm sure you'll love it as well um there is a lot of um yeah a, a lot of like that like tech startup uh type of things going on over there so uh mm-hmm. how'd you get into that well, I um originally I was um uh, planning on just majoring in economics, uh, just because I really had a good you know passion for it. I just like eventually my goal is to run for public office, um, ho- like if it's in the cards for me. But uh, I I wanted you know like a starting point, and economics was my starting point. And then I was thinking, well, I've always been kind of a more motivated student and a motivated person, so let's pick up another major. And so. I originally was going to do business administration, and then I was like, that looks a little too simple, too easy. Let's try something a little tougher. And so business information systems made its way to me. I was just, you know, doing some research about majors. And especially with with the COVID situation, I was thinking about finding something that was both tech-proof and recession-proof. And BIS kind of uh, fits into that into that bubble. Whereas if I went in with like a marketing major or like a business major, just general, like I think I'd be more subject to just being swept under the rug. And I think uh, BIS is, def- is definitely the way to go for me. I, I just like business technology. I want to be the guy that presents business solutions for the tech folks um, and, and just work out in San Diego once before. Um, I was there for a conference. I spent a week out at uh, San Diego State. Uh, I really liked it. So hopefully, you know, if, if that's if that's where I see if, if uh, you know, it's in the cards for me, I'd definitely like to move out there and try that. Yeah, San Diego as well. That places out there is it's amazing. Uh, city, mm-hmm. it, they call it the city that's always building. And uh, for good reason, too, there is uh, so much going on. It's always growing. Uh, but yeah, too, going to like the marketing thing. I, I think that's great, too, considering that like I, too, am also trying to get into marketing as far as like. When I came up with this podcast, I was like, well, I really want to get an audience, but I really don't mm-hmm. know how. And so I started getting to like Gary Vee and like Jason Capital, oh, yeah. just trying to learn like the techniques as far as like how to market, how to do this, you know, how it like it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be complicated or you don't need to spend, you know, thousands or thousands of dollars on, you know, trying mm-hmm. to uh, uh, buy, put up billboards and things like that. It's like you could just do it from your phone. Um, 100%. Yeah. Have you, have you uh, had success like that as far as like building your podcast and, and you know, building oh, yeah. up your resume? Yeah. First off, I want to say, do you hear me? Fi- you hear me fine with my mic? Oh yeah. I hear you good. Okay. All right. But yeah, um, for me, uh, so it's been a year and, and a month uh, since, or a year and two months rather since uh, my team and I launched our first podcast. It was a sports podcast um, and then in November or so is when we launched the pod, the great power podcast, which is what I'm one of the hosts of. Um, and so my perspective was, you know, let's uh, minimize on cost, maximize on value. I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a big misconception in the world of podcasting that like, and even with film that 
you have to get the best equipment. You have to have the best people and you have to just spend as much money as you can and the success will come. And right. quite frankly, that's not true. And I'm very transparent and honest about the fact that for the first year, uh, my team and I, we recorded out of the um, uh, out of our local li- our public library. They have a recording studio for free. We just have to reserve it and we would go in there and excuse me. Okay, no sneeze. <clears throat> Anyways, um, uh, for me, you know, the it, it might have been a bit of a hassle to get in there and like, you know, you have to reserve it and and like you're sharing with other people, but uh, nothing beats free, right? And that's what I think Gary Vee and a lot of other folks, uh, you know, stress. Uh, I'm a I'm an avid follower of Gary Vee. I love his content. I've actually been talking with a lot of folks on his team about um about uh, marketing and about, you know, content strategy. I've talked with D-Rock, David Rock, his his head of videographer, Zan Gaziani. Yeah, they're they're really nice guys, and they got a nice team. uh, I was planning to get, like, a visit going sometime uh, in the summer to New York, but then, obviously, COVID happened. So, um, long-term, I do want to, you know, get a meeting in with Gary Vee and VaynerMedia and just just see where we're at. So, I run – I founded and I run uh, a a startup media company called Unbranded Losing Media, and our whole brand is that we don't have a brand. Our whole brand is that we're just ragtag high school college kids that just love talking about the pop culture. And as it relates to marketing, I mean, word of mouth is the way to go. And you see it a lot with artists, whether it be music or, you know, or, or digital art. It's always, you know, send stuff to your family and friends, right? And very quickly, you will learn who, those who are really going to support you and those who are, who are just, you know, the, the, you know, the phone call friends, not the in-person, like, you know, dap you up. I'm here for you, friends. Uh, and for me, I've had a lot, I've been blessed to have a lot of good friends and family, you know, support my, support my work, my team's work. And like when we started and no one was listening, they were there. And now that we've actually found some success, you know, one of, we, uh, we run, we're, we're up to like eight podcasts now on our network. Um, and we're looking to launch a couple more and it ranges from all over the pop culture. That's, that's what we're trying to do is just be multifaceted. We don't want to be pigeon held to one thing. I think one issue we ran into because originally when we started last year, my I, I run, run run with a team of folks here in Cleveland. We started just talking sports and like even a specific sport. Like we had one basketball like NBA podcast, and then we're like, well, we're not getting as many listeners as we like, and the the content we're putting out on Instagram isn't matching as well. We should really stop pigeonholing ourselves. We should really stop. Actually, a buddy of mine told me, he's like, stop pigeonholing yourself. And I never heard that term before. And he explained it's when, you know, you, you uh, hold the pigeon's wings, right? And you stop them from letting, letting them fly. And that's what we're doing to ourselves here. And that's the big thing I can say to any podcaster is, you know, first, the first question I ask, because a lot of people come to me asking about, you know, hey, well, I want to start a podcast. Like, what are the tips? And I always tell them first, uh, answer this question. And this question will tell you all you need to know. Do you want to start a podcast? Or do you want to maintain a podcast? That is the truth right there. If you want to start a podcast, get the fuck out of here. Just don't even, don't even right. like, don't even, you know, waste my time. Don't waste your own time. This is not me. Don't waste your own time. But if you want to maintain a podcast, if you want to put in the work weekly, what, and again, it's not anything too bad. You know, as you know, with anchor, it's not, not too easy, not too hard. Uh, it's very simple, very user-friendly. But- Incredibly easy. Yeah. I, uh, oh, we, yeah. we started doing this last year. And to go back to what you said, as far as like equipment and things that you need, we we're like, well, we don't have any of that. And I was like, I don't even, I don't even know how to start a podcast. Like I would Google mm-hmm. it and I'm like, well, um, do I need a laptop? And do I need what, like, what do I need? I, I was so, I, I, I completely didn't know anything about it. And then Anchor came around and they're like, just record on your phone. And so that was our first episode, uh, me and my buddy, Brendan. Uh, we sat down and we just, we like talked Avengers before we went to go see Avengers. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that for over a year now and just going to the maintaining thing. Yeah. It's, I, I almost treat like this podcast, almost like a plant, right? Where it's, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm watering it and I'm kind of, and it's growing. It's, it's, it's a very slow growth. It is growing. I see it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm hoping one day it'll grow a lot bigger and, and bloom and it'll turn into something you know huge, but for the, for the time being, it's all about just, I got to be patient with it. Well, I'll tell you the truth, uh, Mark. Last year, this time last year, I was, um, I had just, so I worked, I met a bunch of guys by working for some other guys' sports website, and we launched a podcast with them. We had a falling out, things didn't go so well. And I was, I had to start at the bottom, like starting a new, a new, my own thing with, with a bunch of other folks. 
and we were very lost every day. I was like, man, I don't want to do this content stuff. Because originally I started as a sports writer. That's my background. Um, I would write for uh, sports websites, analysis, opinions, news, whatever it is. Um, and then I started that, getting into more management. Like a, uh, like a blog or was it like, um, did you do it for like actual ESPN site in Ohio? No, no. So it's a it's a guy. He, he's based out in Canada. Um, he has a website. Um, and he so he runs like an Instagram page with like over 100k followers. And like he would just he would you know have um, uh, it's essentially like what I'm doing. You know, small media company where he's um he's inviting people to come and write write for his site. It's all freelance work, which is great for me because I started right now. I'm actually going to my freshman year of college. Um, and so I, I've got a lot of experience over the past two years of working in the digital world before even going off to college. Um, and so that's where I, I started. And then I, you know, I was just really disheartened because that whole, that whole breakup was big because he was a guy who I like, I had first got my first platform with, you know, I could, you know, type up an article and post it and say, Hey, just posted an article. You know, I'd, I'd love for you guys to read my thoughts and, and it just felt different. Right. And then when you, when you make that first, you know, jump and you try to build something on your own, like you said, you know, watering that plant, it's extremely tough. It's extremely difficult, but I can probably say a year later, um, we have eight podcasts. We have a website, three Instagram pages, Twitter pages, TikTok, and a LinkedIn and on top of and, and like, we're actually actively posting on them. And on top of that, like we're interviewing people like on our, we have a political and cultural podcast called polarity. And today we, or uh, a couple of days ago, we just interviewed, uh, one of the uh, biggest, um, um, uh, or he, his name is Dr. Jermaine Johnson. He served as the uh, South Carolina campaign chair for um, Andrew Yang's uh, 2020 presidential campaign. Not sure if you're familiar with him, but um, it was a, he was like top of the organization with his campaign, and he came on our yeah, show. So and he, he was part of that campaign team. Them. Oh yeah, yeah. He ran. Yeah, he ran the entire state of South Carolina for him. Oh wow. So yeah, he came on. He was. I reached out to him, and like that's what I've learned is. Because I know a lot, a big thing amongst the podcasting community is like, I need to get guests on my show. That's that's not true. For the first year, I didn't get a single guest on any of our and on on any of our shows. It was just us giving our original takes. And I think then once you feel confident, once you like want to open up and and expand the the brand, then you can go out to other people and say, Hey, I'd love for you to come on our pod because it's very grueling. You know, the DMs, the messages, the emails. I can't tell you how many DMs I've sent and I've gotten no response at all. Uh, and right. it, it, and, and sometimes even being left unread, right. That's, it's a process. And that's the same thing. Yeah, Gary it, 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 it's what happens. Yeah. I know. I've, I know for myself, like it's constantly trying to grow. I'll DM people like, I'll go 20, 25 people just, Hey, you know, I really like the work. I'll check out a blog or a podcast of theirs and just say, Hey, I really like it. Some of them will go back. Some of them won't, but I understand that's just, that's just the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's trial and error, and fuck the error. It's just about the trial. You have to learn from your mistakes and just keep keep at it. I mean, I was just reading about um D Rock, uh, Gary V's head videographer, his his like story. Like he posted an article on Medium dot com in two thousand seventeen, and I was just reading it, you know, now because I was talking to him, and you know, he started like in two thousand fourteen. He first met Gary at a talk that he did, and he sent him like a couple emails, DMs. And it took him like months to get a response. And then Gary tweets him back in 2014 and says, I'm trying this new app called Kick. Like, message me. Like, let's get to work. And he keeps saying, like, I will work for free. I will work for free. Like, I'll here's a free video, you know. Um, yeah. And and that's that's where it is. Now, does it mean I, – I think, you know, that's one thing that I like about Gary Vee is that he's very practical. He always says, you know, we should be celebrating the 70K years, the, the holiday ends. Whereas, you know, so my whole beef, I don't have really have a beef with, with guys like Jason Capital or Grant Cardone I, I, and or Tony Robbins. They can do what they want. That's on them. Right. But but my thing is I, I would prefer a guy like Gary Vee or a guy like Matt Diavella, any of these like more minimalist individuals over these these Tony Robbins. And I'll explain why. So the Tony, Rob, Tony Robbins type, uh, and I got this insight from uh, someone, a guest on Joe Rogan's show. And what he said is that these Joe Rogan type or these uh, Tony Robbins types, they get hired by the company to come give a talk to like 50 to 100 of their employees. They give this talk and the employees like so fucking I'm like, yes, I'm so hyped. I'm tomorrow. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to yes. work. I'm going to get my life together. And they do that for like a day. And then the next day they're back to their back. And I think they're even worse than they were. Then they have this false sense of hope. Whereas Gary Vee and those kind of guys, they come in and say, you know, meet you know, meet yourself where you are, and don't try to you know don't try to talk shit about don't try to talk about what you don't know about. Don't try to be someone you're not. 
and just be comfortable with who you are and and chase happiness over over you know my money or financial status or whatever because at the end of the day you know it what matters more is your personal fulfillment are you waking up in the morning excited are you going to sleep excited I, I can say that now at this age of 18, I can say I fucking love waking up in the morning and thinking I'm going to record a podcast today or I'm going to get on a phone call today or I'm going to interview X, Y, and Z tonight, you know, and I get to go to sleep thinking about this stuff. And I've been spending, I've you know, losing sleep on this. I love it because I, um, it's a, it's, it's, it really, you know, I, I, I treat it as a business. I mean, that's, that's the way I've looked at it. Go ahead, go ahead, Mark. And two, it's it's yours. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's something that you made. It's it's like your child. I know with me <clears throat> looking at like the cinema flavor and just going, like, yeah, that's that's my brand. I I created that. That's something that's that's me. It came up to my own head and and one day it'll be something even bigger. But for right now, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'll go to as far as like the Tony Robbins and the Jason thing, yeah. I um the only reason I even started listening was just I wanted a way out of like, I worked in warehouses mm-hmm. since I was like 19. And I was like, this is fine. This is cool. But I really just want to get out of this. And I was like, I don't know how I, do, I really don't want to go back to college. I'm already in debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to figure out something though. I got to do something. So I started looking up like self-help and how to build a business and how to do, you know, how to do copyright. And Jason's name came up a lot. <clears throat> um, Dan Locke's name com- came up a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, and the same thing too, they do teach a lot of the, you know, raw, raw and get up and, you know, live your life, you know, sleep only two hours and the rest of the time, you know, try to fulfill your destiny. And uh, it was fine and dandy for, for like a good six months. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if I could really live that life. And so listening to Gary too, it was just, yeah, you know, love what you do. You have to love what you do. And I, I do love what I do. I get to record. I get to, you know, as I'm learning how to use like audacity and edit audio, I'm like, wow, this, I would have never thought of doing this. And, you know, same thing goes with my, uh, my two friends as well. When, when they get to come over and record and we get to just talk movies and just get to have some fun, it's just, it feels good. You know, when you get up and you're like, ah, we actually got paid to have fun right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it's not a lot, it's still, we literally just got to sit around and just, and just be ourselves and just be guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That's what it's about. I mean, that's how I view all of our podcasts. I don't view ourselves as these, you know, big, and I love talking about the, you know, the evolution of media and where it is now and, and, you know, the, the digital medium and how podcasts are overtaking everything. Um, but literally it's just guys being dudes, right? That's, that's how I view our sports podcast. That's how I view our film podcast. That's how I view our political, but that's how I view all of our podcasts. We're just guys who love talking about stuff sitting down and just connecting on an emotional level, on an intellectual level. And it's such an important, you know, uh, building block that is needed. Emotional connection is at the center of every human interaction. Right. And I, right. And, you know, to your point of, of, um, you know, of, of needing something of having, or, you know, having some sense of ownership, that's something that, uh, that a lot of Americans uh, and a lot of people for that fact, uh, for that matter, don't have. Uh, think about it, you know, the American, you know, 70, 78% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. And because of the coronavirus, one in four of us have lost our jobs. And yeah. the, the American dream is either dead or it is dying, right? And in this digital medium, in on this this laptop that I'm recording on, on my phone that I text on, I can be someone, I can be something. Just the other day, one of the hosts of my sports podcast said uh, that we will host together. He said that he stopped by Chick-fil-A today in our in our town. And and the girl who was ringing him out said, hey, don't you have a sports podcast? And he said, "Um, yeah. He's like, oh, my God, you're Jack Bernie. Like, I, I listen oh, to you nice. all the time, right? And and he told, he texted us that. And I, said, I was like, wow. You know, like, I didn't freak out. Sometimes I'd freak out about this stuff. But I just, like, took right. a step back and I said, this is why I do what I do. I love that feeling of recognition, of appreciation, and of understanding that a podcast is not something that's just like a stupid fringe thing to be made fun of, but instead it's going to be something that can be invested in, that's something that can grow. And I, I totally agree. I mean, it is like a child, you know, like right now it's something small and, and I just love it all the, in all the world, And but eventually it'll grow and it'll be something great. Not that it isn't something now, but... And I think that's right. what I'll tell you now, like a year from now, say you have a bunch of sponsorships and you're at like millions of plays, right? 
like you're gonna look back on these days and say like man like I, I i wish i could go back i wish i could go back to the struggle because that's what gary v says all the time right is is fall in love right, with yeah. the struggle fall in love with the grind not the not the uh the reward because that's not nothing is guaranteed in this world uh, nothing except death and taxes right and uh no rewards no nothing you have to get out and earn it and i i totally agree with with what you're saying i i agree like jason capital these guys like i'm sure they have a lot of you know they have got they've got some business knowledge um, but for, they lose me when it comes to the, the, you know, the life building, the social aspect of things. I think taking a minimalist approach, taking a, taking a more spiritual and moral approach is better than the, like, you know, like you mentioned, the get rich quick. Cause that, that's what, that's the kind of vibe I get from these guys. And like, I just saw like one of the TikToks Jason Capital posted and he was like, dude, imagine if you had like a hundred thousand dollars and instead of using it for college, you just invested into a business. Right. And he's right. losing it because no one, no one just has, no one has any money. Like no one just has a hundred thousand dollars to go to college. It's generated yeah. through loans, right? And and taking a business loan is so much harder than taking out a student loan. I mean, as we've seen, it's a trillion dollar student debt, student loan debt problem that we have right now. Uh, it's yeah, it, so it much does easier. Have like, like higher interest and stuff, right? As far as like a business loan, yeah. Uh, a student loan. I mean, because I'm personally still paying off like student loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still got like another eight thousand left. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, as far as like a business loan, that's, that's the reason why I've just, I've always, I, 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 I kind of like it just cause it's taught me to like, ah, uh, you know what? I, I really don't want to jump into something I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, at least like college taught me that. Uh, but as far as like the rest of this stuff, yeah, it just, sometimes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense of like, you know, take out a loan and build up your business. It's like, ah, it's vague, but I want to get out of my, my own way. And so that right, desperation right. came to that. But now it's like, you know what? I, I don't mind hesitating. I don't mind doing that. And that's why I, I like Gary as well. Cause he's not trying to sell me anything. Mm-hmm. You know, even in his book, when I was reading it, I was like, there's still no upsell or anything. It's just, he's just trying to teach you uh, how to use the social media platforms, how to actually build your business, what it actually takes, like the actual realist approach of how to build a business. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to ask you this though. Um, as far as like, uh, what were you going to say? No, no, you go, you go ahead. Go ask, ask your question. Uh, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask you guys this. So you said you also do a sports podcast and you have a culture podcast. Mm-hmm. I do have been thinking about like building like a sports podcast just as a sports fan, but I also don't want to take away from this podcast. I don't want to take mm-hmm. time away. I don't want to um, give too much energy just because this is still new for us. You know, Sinful Flavor's only been around for a couple of years, and as a podcast, only about a year. So I don't want to destroy what I have now and trying to jump onto something else. Well, it's um to answer your question, I'm gonna use your example. Do you ever like once you have a child, do you ever say, I don't wanna have another child because I wanna I don't want for this child to like lose love? Obviously you're gonna ask that yourself that question, but that's not the issue. You have another child because you feel you can support another child, you can bring a child into this world and you can love that child. And that's the same thing here. I I I am I'm a host on four different podcasts. Um I produce all the content for those podcasts and i do the promoting for all those podcasts and i manage a lot mm-hmm. and that's just me i'm great at managing all this stuff i just feel like i'm a born manager a born leader and i can just i just have the ca- the capacity to do a lot but i mean from your situation i feel like you know podcasting is right now it's i think you're still i always say it's like the honeymoon phase like podcasting it starts off as something new and genuine like wow this is cool and then when you what it, it there's going to come a point where it becomes work and it becomes a burden and it no longer it has that flair right and I hit that point earlier uh, last year or later last year and then I got through that it's kind of like hitting the rookie wall like I hit the wall and then I got through it and now it's completely changed and I think you just need to hit that wall because once you hit that wall everything is going to change I can guarantee it once you hit that wall of like, man, I don't love podcasting. It's kind of like a marriage, right? Like when you, when you, obviously the honeymoon phase is great. You love each other. But then when you start hitting the struggles and then you get out from under, it makes yeah. your marriage so much stronger, right? Not that I know anything about marriage, but, but um, that, that's just a perspective that you need to apply here. So I say, go ahead, launch the sports flavor podcast, you know, and make this the flavor brand, you know, that <laughs> you don't go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I like that sports flavor. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like don't don't pigeonhole yourself. I, I'm I always tell people like if you have a I I I just my some of my friends one of my friends made a joke that like my mind is like Grand Central Station and I've got like all these trains moving off at all these different times and 
and it's true. I just like thinking a lot. I know a lot and I, I like consuming information and, and I like talking about it. I like giving my perspectives on things like politics, theocracy, you know, philosophy, ideology and uh, sports and film and whatever it may be. Like I can sit here and have an hour long conversation about film directors. And in that direct that conversation, I can totally uh, switch and hit on like 50 different topics because I just yeah. love, you know, giving my take, right? Everyone wants to give their take, but no one loves to, no one's going to fight to give their take. And that's what I'm going to tell you here. Obviously, if you, if you feel more connected to the cinema flavor pod, like just do what you feel more drawn to, right? If I right. don't feel drawn to doing the sports podcast, I will tell my co-host, I'm done. Do what you want. Like, I'm not going to tell him like, oh, get out of here. I'm going to tell him like, you can still record, but I don't want to be there. I just don't want to do it, right? But that's not the case for me. I just love recording. I love recording with those guys. I love talking sports. I love, you know, just, just kind of facilitating the conversation. That's what I do with the sports. And then on the film pod, I kind of take more of the conversation, and I and I keep it more more discussion-oriented than debate-oriented. You know, I like getting, getting the mix. And, um, you know, to, you know to, to really hit on, you know, sports, I mean, just – don't you know don't stop you know like if you have the opportunity to you know put your foot on the gas like go ahead and do it because there's no there's like in in in, in podcasting there's no rule that says you can't um the, right, you have exactly. to you have to get it you know you know what i mean that's the thing i always tell like with uh with our with our crew it's like no one's telling us no man we could record and and do a review on anything you know mm -hmm. any movie don't don't feel like you know oh i don't want to bring this to the table because like maybe this won't match. It's like, no, I, I always try to have a, an open arm policy with, with, with David and Brendan, just cause I understand like how important it is for them. And also the things that are, that are going on in their life, I, you know, they're both getting married very soon, but you know, the fact that they still come in and still give me, you know, time and their energy, it's, I'm so appreciative of it because I honestly didn't think that it would last as long as well. It just, you, you understand that, you know, life always kind of changes things and I'm always so kind of used to, you know, things always kind of ending at a certain point, you know, just because it's like I've done that with all my projects. Mm -hmm. And the fact that things lasted this long and they're still giving me that time, I'm so appreciative of it. So them doing, you know, hey, bring whatever movie you want, bring whatever show you want, dude. I will watch it and let's let's talk about it because the fact we're just talking about it, that's the best part, right? That's mm -hmm. what the people are going to come into. You know, somebody out there is going to be a fan of, you know, that type of movie that they're going to bring in and they're just going to like the fact that somebody's having a conversation on it oh yeah that yeah that's where that's where it lies i mean um marketing is and 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 you know this is uh it's the attention game it's selling and reselling attention and in the digital age it has gone up so much more significantly i recommend you watch a mad men that's a uh, have you heard have you watched that, have watched that show i've never seen mad men but I, i've <clears throat> i've seen it like on netflix and as mm -hmm. far as like it being you know marketed i understand it's a really good show i've just i've personally never seen it i totally recommend just watching an episode or two i i, I mean i don't think it's something you got to watch the entire entirety of but like that is a show that i would watch if you want to understand deception marketing like that's that's it explain and it's based in the 1960s of an ad agency and that's like that's what you know uh, Gary V markets himself as is that he's modern day madman. You know, it's a modern day uh, ad agency, and right. you know what I what I've learned is that this, like I said, this is the attention game. And what Gary V says all the time: social media isn't changing us; it's exposing us, right? And it's it's showing right. what we like and dislike, and we need to use we need to utilize it, not manipulate that negatively, but utilize it and give them something that they like. That's why like when the when all the the COVID nineteen situation just destroyed the film industry for a month or so, like I said to call my host my co-host Colin, I was like, hey, let's just switch to just talking about a movie or a TV show every every episode. And he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we did an episode talking about Uncut Gems because we love that movie. We did an episode right. talking about uh you know what else did we talked we talked about let me, you know, we talked about the flash and we, we're going to, we're going to talk about these things because that's just what we love to do. And then when news comes around, we'll talk about that news because, um, having this kind of this, this switch, that's what, that's what we, and having that, you like, you know, open arm policy. I like that. That's what we try to do too. It's like, Hey, you're free tonight to record. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. And so actually I've never even met Colin. He, he's like, he's what you call an internet friend. He's based in New Jersey and I'm based here in Cleveland. And we, um, we just call in on anchor all the time or calling in, you know, via zoom and we record there for our podcast. And, um, it goes to show you the power of the internet. Right. And, and that's, I, that's exactly what we do. We just, you know, like we love Goodfellas. We're a huge Goodfellas fan. And we talk about it all the time. 
let's do an episode about Goodfellas and just talk about what we liked about the film, all the different aspects of the film that, that you know, make it what it is, uh, et cetera, and just learning along the way. Like originally when we launched, this was just a solo podcast that Colin did himself because I was like, you know what, because I, I, I wanted to launch a film podcast, but I needed to find a guy to do it because I just feel like I could do it, but I'd rather have someone else do it. And then, you know, Colin, you know, I, I reached out to Colin, uh, who I'd met through Instagram and uh, through the film, through the films page that we run together now. And I said, hey, like, do you want to run a film podcast? And he's like, hell yeah, I'd be honored. And so then we started that podcast and, and you know, that's all she wrote. Right. And right. I mean, it's it, it's it's it really is just about finding finding your niche. And I mean, hey, the sports flavor podcast, that sounds pretty good. I, I think you guys should should run a new podcast on that um but but yeah that that's that's kind of the uh, long and short of it yeah so like like for example like when the movie shut down <clears throat> i did actually get a little nervous because it was like i was so used to this routine where i would go see a movie in theaters and then record an episode on it that weekend and then wait next week for the next movie that was coming out that weekend and do it mm-hmm. and we were doing that for months on end and i was like i kind of like this i like you know i want to be like the person who reviews all the current movies I think I shut down. Right. And like, uh, I, I don't know. What are we doing? Then I realized, again, it just came back to, you know, no one's telling me no. So I was like, well, let me check out some stuff I haven't seen before. So me and David did like some episodes on like, we did a lot of Netflix shows for a while. I did like that. Yeah. We did like, I'm not okay with this. Uh, Bojack. We watched a lot of anime. Yeah. I've been getting into anime uh, quite a bit over these last couple months. Stuff like My Hero and stuff. Stuff that I... I at first would have just said no to just because it's like, no, nah, I don't want to devote that kind of time where now mm-hmm. I'm like, I, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm doing it just because it's like, it's giving me new perspectives. It's giving me new things to look at for movies. It's, it's bringing up new talking points that I could always revert back to when I'm talking with these guys. It just, it creates all these kind of new things, new inside jokes, everything, you know? So it's like this branching off gave me way more than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's, the big thing here is to innovate, learn how to innovate and, and, you know, plot, you know, the jab, 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 right hook, you know, that, yeah. that Gary V talks about, like you can do it. You can jab as many times, but if you don't hit that right hook and you don't land it perfectly, then all your jabs are nothing. And that's what we did here too. And I'm sure you guys did as well is, is just find different ways to innovate, you know, um, and, and just uh, building something, you know, that, that, that is lasting. That's, that's what this is, is that, like the great power podcast, like my whole concept was let's just, I'm learning from Stan Lee. Like Stan Lee would tell me that with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And that that's what we decided to do. We decided to literally call it the great power podcast. And we decided to base the, the ideas and the values of the show around that, that we are going to talk about films and TV and whatnot, but we're also going to do it justice. We're going to treat it with respect and we're going to have fun with it. And we're going to make it engaging and, and really just make it the, uh, you know, kind of you know moving stanley's message forward and i just think that you know uh, the way that filmmaking is going or the way that the, the movie experience is heading i think it's heading in towards the streaming direction and it's not going to be uh so much focused on the theater and the in-person the real experience that that we've been known to get uh and that is something that that's really intrigued me what do you think about about the you know us moving towards a completely digital uh movie experience I, um, well, I think this year might really treat it that way just because we haven't, I mean, I know we haven't got like a, a lot of movies on streaming yet, a lot of movies that like we're waiting for. Um, but I think, yeah, within the next year or two, I think people are just going to want to. Uh, I think one of the main reasons why is, again, I think I, we don't really know how bad Corona is going to be over the next couple of years. And, you know, if it does stick to a point where streaming is the only option, I think most people are like, well, if that's our only option, then we'll do it. But then also, too, it's a comfort thing, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe maybe I do want to go see Black Widow, but I don't really I, – I want to see it the first weekend, but I understand it's going to be packed. And it might be packed the second weekend. And it might just be, hey, I did want to see it on a Friday, but I understand I should have bought my tickets months ago. You know, with streaming, it's just I just watch it there. You know, I just watch it from home. We get a couple snacks. That's it, right? And I, I think that comfort level is always going to out-trump um, – going to a theater no matter no matter like hey i could see an imax or you know i could go with friends it's like yeah still that comfort level is going to want to be there and two uh as far as like disney plus and things like that i know they don't do a lot of ad revenue and that's probably the point too where you could Mm -hmm. just go you don't need to watch you know sit around and wait for commercials 
you know, you, you could just watch a show just in one hit, you know, and, and just devote all your time to that. So, yeah, I, I think people are really going to get into streaming. Like, the, it could be a to, to a point where streaming really takes over and there's only a couple theaters, like, left in the world, right? Because it's just, you go to, like, the Chinese theater or, like, in L.A. or, like, the uh, AMC Matreon, things like that. But, like, the little pop kind of mom-and-pop theaters, I, I, I think they'll just be gone. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. I wouldn't be surprised if um AMC and and you know Cinemark they launch their own streaming service kind of thing where yeah, they just have a partnership that'd, that'd for them too. Yeah. And and you know a hypothetical scenario of that would be like okay Warner Bros wants uh the new Batman film to be released but because of COVID the theaters aren't open so Cinemark is partnering with with Warner Bros and you know Warner Bros pays them X amount and and Cinemark distributes it. And you can, if you pot, you can buy the ticket. You can like buy the movie on, you know, buy a movie ticket and just watch it, you know, stream it um, from your phone, from your laptop, whatever it may be. And and I think like that's another thing that I I think people aren't too aware of is the the, the uh, techn- technological trends that we're going to be seeing uh, from coronavirus is is like I said, ten to fifteen percent of jobs in the market are going to be automated just due to coronavirus. Um, people are talking about the uh, the theaters being opened up in July. It's like it's almost it's mid mid July and and we are we're nowhere close to that. Like if anything, America is way worse than we were when we started. Right. Um, so it's it's a uh, it's gonna it's uh, going to be a long term thing, and that's on the failure of our lawmakers and really of us. I think we made we made this uh this this decision to just kind of let this you know get out of hand and and not listen to you know so like I, I and again I mean that that's that's an issue that that you know can be can be explored, but I just think that that's right. something that it has to do with everything. I mean, it, with sports, with with film, with with everything that we get our bread and butter off of. Um, it's going to be limit limited or it's going to be, you know, quantified or it's going to be, you know, cut down like a perfect example. Of that is the NBA, the NBA bubble. Uh, it's not it's not the actual NBA. It's, it's just a version of it. And and so yeah, they're just putting all the players in Disney World. Yeah, I think. And, and it's not even like every team right now. Right. Is it, It's I think it's only like half the league is going to play a couple games. Mm-hmm. in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. So- it's only it's only like the best teams. <laughs> Yeah, basically. So I mean, they're, and they're not even committing it like hockey should, where it's just like, hey, whoever was going to be in the playoffs, let's just like, let's just have the playoffs and, and play and just give you know whoever is going to win the uh, Larry O'Brien Trophy to somebody, you know. But mm-hmm. if they want to play a full season like that, I just I I don't really understand how they're going to do it all in just Orlando. Yeah, and it, I I totally see a bunch of players coming down with COVID, and then then they run into a bunch of issues like, oh, do we stop it all? Do we just take a pause? Like, what do we do? And and it's quite the fact of the matter is we're just not ready. I mean, Florida is literally the epicenter of the coronavirus in the world, not of just the U.S., but of the world. Florida has become the epicenter for COVID. Yeah, I think um, we're only second behind them right now. Like, I think they're getting like, yeah. I think like eight thousand new cases, I believe. That's ridiculous. And and it's come on, man. I just want to go out to the movie theaters and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like something. I I know, like the the drive-in is open next to us, but. Like they're mm-hmm. only, they're only showing like I was gonna go yesterday and I was looking and they were doing like a double uh a double header of like Jumanji and Black Panther and I was like uh no I'm good I've seen those movies you know, a million times already it's fine you know I, I was mm-hmm. I was really happy you know I was getting to be able to see like Mulan or something you know so even right. even then they're really kind of they have their hands tied of like we don't really know what to do it's like you know we can't show anything new because the the studios aren't gonna allow us to and you know we can only have x amount of people in there it's just it really has gone i i've never seen it this bad ever you know any type of pandemic or anything mm-hmm. right yeah no it's it's we're living through history right now and and it's up to the part of us to decide are we just gonna let this consume us and let this you know destroy this country that i think that i mean obviously this country has problems but i i i you know i stand by you know what you know what captain america says in uh in an issue of uh, daredevil born again he says um, I'm loyal to nothing channel except the dream. Right. And, and within the dream are people and people matter. There's, that's what we need to be hitting at is that we care about people. So when I'm out in public, I wear a mask and I hand sanitize and, and, and again, in Ohio, it's not even as bad as it is in Cali, but I'm still going to make that conscious effort of, I don't want it. And I don't want, I don't, I'm just not going to take the risk. All right. Like, I, I don't want to, 
go with all these conspiracy theorists of like, oh, well, you know, the, the government just doesn't want you to wear a mask. And it's like, I, I, I heard, I saw a tweet. It was like, man, if you just tell all these, all these, you know, these, you know, conspiracy theorists that like the government, that uh, wearing a mask protects you from, from face scanning by the government, then everyone will start wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, shit, we, we should just start peddling that. Cause it's- yeah, exactly. And then they'll be, they'll be right on board. Oh, you know what? Yeah. You, you guys were onto it. No, they'll totally just put, start putting on the mask. Yeah, just oh, yeah. feeling like, uh, oh, yeah, we beat them this time. But, yeah, it, it is <laughs> odd. Like the, I mean, there's always conspiracy for, for everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was going to be like this just because it was like, hey, people are dying from this. Like, here's yeah. your proof. You know what I mean? But somebody always has something to, you know, hey, no, it's not like this. It's, it's like the, everyone, you know, everyone wants to be Alex Jones, you know? Yeah. And that's what's so dangerous now is that Alex Jones and and the you know the validation that President Trump and a lot of other folks will give him, uh, it's 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 dangerous because now people aren't like literally there was a person who tweeted on or put on Facebook like I'm not wearing no mask like this thing is a hoax and like oh I guess I I got the I got the Rona I'm gonna be quarantined for 14 days it sucks because I just got a new job and then the next one is is of their their funeral uh arrangements. Like, come on, come on, folks. People are dying. Like, this is no joke. Like, obviously, you want to laugh and say, what an idiot. But but he died. Like, this is human life we're losing. And this is not okay. And we need to be taking this seriously. And and on the part of the lawmakers, on the part of the American people, we're not. And it's uh, it we're just using it, you know, for political gain, both right and left. We're we're and and it's I it's I. We, we've seen this coming. I, I don't think people can just sit here and say, oh, I definitely wasn't going to see this happening. Obviously, like I like if you were telling me a year, you know, a year ago that a year later would be in this global pandemic and like the world would be ending. I wouldn't believe you. But but I wouldn't I wouldn't not I wouldn't totally dismiss the the idea that it would happen because. Right. I you mean, know, president, you know, skeptical, you know, what I mean, or, or not. Skeptical, oh, yeah, yeah. Defensive, you know what I mean? Hey, something could happen. Right, because I mean, in in 2017, when Trump gets into office, he dismantles the uh, the the uh, pandemic response team. Like, come on, like we had stuff set up, we had a whole apparatus and infrastructure set up, and it was just taken down. And I think this is the point where people need to realize, you know, that guy's incompetence. And and again, I'm not like a never Trumper. I'm not a not a you know resist Trump liberal because that's that's you know there's there's no there's no use in all that. But uh, I think we all need to recognize uh, how how terribly he and his administration have responded to this i mean the guy literally just put on a mask for the first time during the entire pandemic come on and like and and all all the people around him have to wear masks and and all the people around him some of them get covid like his his um his son's girlfriend got corona and 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 a bunch of his his his, uh his supporters and a bunch of his his pro uh, his his uh rally officials out in tulsa when he had a rally a bunch of them got corona before the rally even started uh, and and the, on top of that, all the Trumps, like if you if you signed up to go to his rally, you'd have to sign a waiver saying that you won't sue the Trump campaign or the Trump administration if you get Corona. But I thought COVID wasn't a big risk, right? That that's right. that's the way that they want to view these things. Yeah, I know. I know. For like me, I always joke around with my friends and like, oh yeah, I love Trump so much. But it's like I look at a president, and I just understand that like I almost feel like he's just doing a bit, and he he just mm-hmm. got this far. It's like our president is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Like if that, if that doesn't tell you what kind of person Trump is, like I I don't know what else to tell you. It's like he is he is either always acting, he's doing some type of bit. It's a joke. It's something, you know, what he says. But it is dangerous just because I think we really did put someone in office that has absolutely no clue on how to handle any of this, right? And we're and if he gets reelected, it's going to be even worse because again, that's another four years of something potentially worse could happen. Right. And, you know, on the note of, you know, Trump is funny. Trump is Trump just, you know, a, a joke like it's funny until we're talking about people's lives and people's livelihoods. And like this has been an issue. I mean, when you look at how the uh, how uh, public health issues and how the healthcare system uh, disproportionately affect people of color like that has been happening well before. I think that's a big misconception a lot of people have is that like racism and all these issues started like in january 2017 when trump gets inaugurated no this is like a problem within our system it's why we we you know are the sponsorships we got on anchor aren't worth as much as what mainstream media you know corporate media systems are getting it's why my local uh the local newspaper here in cleveland the plain dealer that's been around for so many decades is on its last legs 
Uh, and it's, you know, it's why local journalism and, and local radio stations are dying and why, I mean, these big podcasts are, and you know, just, just kind of diverting. Another thing that really pisses me off is when, when celebrities get bored, they start a podcast, or start a YouTube channel and, right. and they, they get up to like 200 K subscribers in the first day. And I, again, they can do what they want because they're fucking celebrities. They can do whatever the fuck they want. But, but at, it, it's just so disheartening because guys like us are like slaving away, trying to produce genuine content. And like, this is like what we want to do with our lives. And then these fuckheads, they come in like Brie Larson comes in like, I'm starting a YouTube channel because I want to do YouTube. And, and there's people who like, they make their little, that their only salary, their, their, all their live livelihood comes from YouTube and one bad word and they're gone. Whereas like Brie Larson can start it and like, she's already got something that's amazing. And, and again, I'm not going to go into the Brie Larson hating category, but, right. but there's so many like Will Smith too. Like, God damn it. Will like you, you, you're taking up all the fucking space. Like he's going on TikTok and YouTube and Twitter. And it's like, did you not already dominate, you know, film and television? Like, are you not like the, the go-to uh, the, the most popular African-American actor like in the world? Come on, like leave something for the rest of us, right? <laughs> but I, I think too, it's like like Will Smith. He came up as he came up as like the guy that nobody knew, and then he came up in TV and became unknown. And then he was able to build up this audience because he was so funny and so charming that people liked him. He became like this this status quo kind of person that, like, as soon as he hopped on YouTube, it's like everyone who already liked him for watching TV just said, "Hey, I want to watch him on on YouTube or things like that." So it's like those guys like Brie Larson and stuff like that, they they worked up their own way and then brought it up. But I will say this, as far as like YouTube, I feel like YouTube gives them a lot more leeway than they would like us because it's like because they have those numbers. 100%. 100%. Yeah, well, like, hey, well, no, you guys are using copyright type of music and, and things like that. Like, yeah, but they're they're doing it too. It's just like, can, can you be fair mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on a playing stage just because they already have an advantage over us? It's like, you don't, we don't need more taken from us on that level. They have a team of lawyers and representatives and agents so that the moment, even when they do something way worse than anything that any of us could do, like when Jimmy Kimmel says the N word or when Jimmy yeah. Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel do blackface or when, uh, when Jimmy Kimmel makes rape jokes with Megan Fox, uh, you know, at, at what, or, or, you know, sexual assault jokes rather. And, and when, when all these actors and producers and hosts and whatnot do all these things, it gets swept under the rug and they, they just take their, their, their soft, the soft firing or the soft vacation. Whereas if, if you know, a regular, like if I go out and, and I'm a person of color that doesn't make, you know, that doesn't allow me to say the N word. But if I were like white and I said the N word, uh, and, and You'd like, it, yeah. I would be done. I'd be, I'd be done. Like I'd get fired from my job. I would, I would get kicked out of my house. Like I would, I would, I would lose. I would get beat over the street, you know, like yeah. that's something that um that my, my host Colin and I talked about, like with, I don't know if you've paid attention, but there's this girl named Sky Jackson who was on, um, uh, let's, uh, some, I forget some, yeah, some show Disney kid, right? Yeah. Disney kid, but she was on Hey Jesse or something. And, and so she's 18 now. And, and she was like tweeting out, she was like, if I see you tweet anything racist or whatever, I will expose you. And like, not expose you. Like, Hey, here's this account, like dog, or here, here's his account. Like, you know, just, just, fl- you know, blow up his mentions, but like, I'm tweeting out your address, your parents' names, where you go to school, right. etc. And like, kids are losing scholarships, jobs, job offers, their parents are losing jobs. Like what the hell, you know, yeah. this is, and, and I, I likened it to, and the dark Knight rises when, when Jillian Murphy's character, the scare, Dr. Crane is on the, is on the, you know, the court is on the, um, the big, judge seat yeah but he says he's just picking like hey do you want to die or do you want to get a exactly death or exile and and both are going to be death and and then he's and then you know i'll sit i'll be there like no like this is stupid i shouldn't be sitting like sky jackson is sitting in the judge seat like so do you want death or exile (laughs) and and i'm gonna say no this is stupid and she'll say death by exile you know And, and then just cancel uh cancel me that's again cancel culture is a whole another thing but um, it's, it's so wrong to see that, that, that a lot of these, you know, celebrities and these, you know, I guess Hollywood elitists can get away with everything. Uh, but person said like literally just like a dude who like who his dad works at a, at a gas station. Like if he says anything, like they're done. Whereas, yeah. like I said, all, Jerry Seinfeld said the N word on like a pot or like on some show, 
Like, come on. And he's he's fine. Uh, and Harvey Weinstein was a complete predator for decades. And only now is he coming to justice. Right. And that's not that's not just like the uh, the law. That's not just the social establishment. That is the people that he worked with. Those fuckheads, George Clooney and Matt Damon, they want to sit here and say, oh, I had no knowledge. And I just wish that, you know, the girls would actually like think better and, and make better choices. Right? right. But they're the ones that got paid that Harvey Weinstein built their careers up. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, they got their shot with Goodwill Hunting produced by the Weinstein company. Right. right that Miramax. George Clooney. Yeah. Oh, Miramax. 100 percent. That's George Clooney. Got his start with them. And if it wasn't for for Harvey Weinstein, all these people, even people I like, like Martin Scorsese, wouldn't have, have been as successful as, as they are. And what I do respect is what Quentin Tarantino did is when all this stuff came out, like he, he immediately like he said, I'm done. Like I'm done with Harvey. I, and he's been done with Harvey. He doesn't like Harvey. And, and he, he um, moved once upon a time in Hollywood away from the from Miramax and he moved it to Sony. So that was interesting. But uh, I, the one guy I have the most respect for in the world is Brad Pitt. I'm not sure if you heard the story, but 1995, I just know it was in the 90s, um, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow were dating. Yeah. And they were at some premiere. And prior to the premiere, you know, Harvey had like screamed at Gwyneth and tried to make a move on her and like she had gotten out of there. And then... So she tells Brad about it, and then Brad sees him at the red carpet, at a premiere, goes up to him and shoves him, gets in his face, and says, you touch her again, and I will fucking kill you, you know, or something like that. That's nuts, right? Against Harvey Weinstein. And this is Brad Pitt before he's Brad Pitt, right? This is a big risk he's taking. You're talking 95. You're talking well before, I mean, I guess maybe like Fight Club when it came out that that year. Yeah, 1999 is when Fight Club came out. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, almost. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but again, this is like this isn't even peak. I mean, peak is like early 2000s when he became like that star. But yeah, but Mm -hmm. he was still kind of just pretty boy. Uh, But yeah, to shove Harvey and things like that, I I will say going like with this and like the people who are are staying quiet, we will never have this again though. Like the people who are coming Mm -hmm. up, as far as like your Tom Hollands and your and your Timothy Chalamets and. And people like that, I'm sure if they saw something happening, they would immediately say something, right? Because they understand, too, it's like they're living through this ugliness of, like, hush-hush, you know, everything stays behind a closed door. I, I think they understand, too, like, the evil of what happens when when that happens, you know. Hey, let's put everything put everything under the rug and, and get away from it. It's like, I know those people would totally wouldn't do it just because they understand it's more about acting than it is about hey, we need an executive, you know, and plus, too, you don't need like a middleman anymore. You know, Tom mm-hmm. Paul and, and those people are popular on their own just because of the Internet, you know, so you don't really need like a Miramax anymore. You could produce, you know, your a, A24 te- uh, type of movies that way, you know, get self-funding, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so- yeah, that's Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that, that's what I was. I was, uh, as, yeah. like, I, was, I was thinking of it as I was saying it in my head. I was like, it sounds better, but I, I, th- I think I try to get my point across. No, you got it. Uh, I think that there's a big, you know, on the note of funding, I think there's a lot there, you know, in terms of what studios will just automatically write the play check for versus what they'll, oh, we'll think about it. You know, they'll take some time to think about it. For example, like these MCU films, like they get budget after budget, all these shitty franchise films, you know, like they'll like the, the fast films um, and the, uh, you know, the, uh, not the Jumanji, the, the Jumanji you know, remake, like they get all the checks that they want. Right. But something like Martin Scorsese's upcoming film uh, that he's going to be doing with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, like, he has to fight for funding. Like he's got a couple different studios, like Apple TV is coming with some funding. Yeah. Um, he has to fight for that funding. And this is Martin fucking Scorsese. All right. You pay him what you want and you, you get the, you reap the benefits. Like this is ridiculous. And, and it just goes to show you that, that in the next few years, we're going to get to a point where the franchise films completely dominate the independent, legitimate, dramatic filmmakers uh, that we see. That's my, that's my big shtick with, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, a comic book fan at, at heart. I love the MCU. I love the DCU. I just love watching those films, but there's also something to be said about how limiting they are to the, the amount of creativity that we have within the film industry and within filmmaking. I mean, 
you know, Good Time is a film that was, you know, made on the budget of like a couple million dollars, whereas, right. you know, Endgame gets hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's it's like average, like to my obviously, like I like it was a great fan experience. But once that Marvel high wears off after you you leave the theater, you take some days to think about it. Yeah. And you realize, wow, like they just fucking CGI the entire fucking movie. Like they made Professor Hulk look out to be like a little bitch. Like what is going on? And then you take a step back and you realize, wow, that MCU high is not as good as, as I thought it was. And that's, I think, what a lot of people are coming to a realization of. And now, like, with DC, like, getting a lot more projects in, I mean, they've got all the different films they've got rumored, like Justice League Rebirth, Constantine, Batman Beyond, and and his Flashpoint film. Like, it's going to be interesting to see, like, people are going to be like, fuck you, the MCU. Like, I like, like, DC's doing some, like, real risk-taking, you know, cinema. Yeah. Like, let's go in on that, right? Yeah, of course. And and of course, it always just goes back to like, what is the quality of the movie that you're putting out? You know, in Avengers at the time, we had never seen it. But then with Justice League, yeah, we already kind of already saw that you're just doing what what they're doing. Right. Everybody wants their 360. Let's circle around the heroes and get that one good shot so everyone can cheer. Um, I think DC uh, did it just they, they did did it wrong the first time. But I really do like their approach to doing it now as far as like the, what kind of movies yeah. they're going to be putting out as far as how they're handling the DCEU. Um, maybe not just saying, hey, let's just cut it off and start over. Let's just kind of take pieces from it and then we'll build from it. And then let's see if there's popularity, you know, Birds of Prey, Shazam, things like like there's they're kind of trialing and erroring it. And I kind of like that. Um, I, I think going to, yeah, like to the franchise, I think that's the only thing that's going to stay because it's familiar. You know, people, mm-hmm. people and, you know, a lot of sure we as film fans, we understand who Martin Scorsese is and we understand the impact of, hey, having Scorsese direct a movie with DiCaprio and De Niro, that's going to be amazing. But everyone else just they see they see DiCaprio, they see De Niro and they're just like, yeah, it's just two old guys. Let's uh, I want right. I want to go see the uh, the new, you know, Justice League, uh, you know, Snyder Cut. I, I want that instead. So I think it just goes to that. But uh, yes, of course, it's it's bad on a sense of like we still need indie, still need like indie movies and still need that indie scene just for a creative reason. Right. Because you can't have like a a Ryan Coogler direct Black Panther if he didn't get Fruitvale Station. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so and so even like guys like who are coming up now, like Ari Aster, the Safdie brothers, you know, maybe one day they can get the opportunity to do a movie like an Avengers almost on their style, you know, maybe halfway mm-hmm. like your style or just something like that. But you do need to create a creative outlet because when the studios are going out and looking for directors, they need something, right? They need some type of work to look at and go, Hmm. Okay. This guy right here. Yeah. He, he could do a, a trilogy for us or let's, let's give him a project that we haven't done yet. You really need that because it's almost like, it's like sports, right? It's, you know, hey, you can have a team, but we need like a triple-A ball team. We need a minor league team to like look at these guys in college just to kind of see like the feel of what they're doing and what they could bring to the table for us. Right. It's all about development. And yeah. I think that that's something that we aren't getting a lot of. Yeah, no, of course not. And just it's, again, you still need it. And so for somebody like Scorsese, he he needs it, even though he doesn't – like sure he might need like the same amount of money for like a hundred million dollars to do like the cutting edge, you know, mocap or, or not mocap, but he's doing like the de-aging like in the Irishman. Right. I think that's still kind of fair. It's like, I'm sure people, he, he, they got that money back with Netflix some way or another, you know, that movie, that movie was huge for them, you know, getting the Oscar nomination and things like that. Oh, right. That this year, this was the year of Netflix. Look at the Oscars. I mean, you had the two popes, the marriage, the marriage story, and the Irishman. Yeah, no, these are all Netflix projects, and they're at the fucking Academy Awards. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, I, you know, I was thinking Irishman, but yeah, two popes as well, marriage story. It's like, I think that going going back to earlier in the conversation, yeah, I think that really helps with the streaming because people, again, too, like the, the whole process of like, putting a movie out that they know they want to get uh, nominated for an Academy Award, they don't just put it out, right? They put it out for a couple weeks in big cities and then they'll put it out for like a week worldwide and then they'll take it back. And it's like, people don't get the chance to see it, right? Cause they don't know. They're not in the, not, they're not diving deep into this rabbit hole, trying to find this movie that's getting a lot of hype during festivals. 
versus you could do that right. with Netflix because it's just always there. Hundred percent. That's what Netflix has always been about. Is about expanding on new opportunities with all the shows that they do. Obviously, you know, there's some of the partnerships like with Marvel haven't always been as fruitful, uh, and and not as you know time, you know, you know time time. I guess the, the better investment on time, but it's uh you know Marvel. I mean, the, Netflix knows what they're doing in the long term, in the big picture. They know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to build something that is lasting, right? Right. And by doing these different shows, by having these Academy Award nominated and Academy Award winning pictures, um, it's getting their cred within the mainstream, right? Because like, if you were to say to me, you know, like ten years ago, that Netflix would be, uh, you know, running the the the, the film market and, and having Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and and Joe Pesci in a film, I would say you're crazy. But but that's just where the times are, and I think that's amazing. I love The Irishman. That was my personal opinion. I absolutely adored that film. I think oh, yeah, it's I amazing. It, it was amazing. And what did you like most about it? Uh, for me, I, I did have a little bit of like a fanboy just because like Goodfellas is my absolute favorite movie. And so it was just mm-hmm. I get to see De Niro and Pesci like, just doing scenes together, like the scene where they're both talking in Italian and they're be- both getting just to know each other. I was just like, oh, my God, this is this is a current movie. Not to mention, too, I do yeah. like Scorsese's feel of he doesn't mind just kind of plotting down and let's just let's just take as long as we want just explore this man's life with frank sheeran right it's like i don't mind telling you just the little details right i understand what studios he's always had to cut it down i know there's like he had almost like a four-hour cut of the wolf of wall street that he 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 Mm -hmm. had to cut just for theaters it's like with the irishman he doesn't need to do that you know he could just take his time and and let's let's explore tell the story yeah tell the story let's explore all the people in Frank's life. Let's explore all the little stories he had interactions, everything. Right. And it feels so authentic. And plus two, it never feels boring. Like you would think like this movie is three and a half hours. I'd never, I don't feel a second of it when I'm watching it. I've seen it like four times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never do like the, Oh, I got two hours left. No. Cause I'm just so mesmerized by all these people and the, that type of history. And the fact that like, Everyone around them, like, if you were lucky enough to make it out of the mob, everyone else around you was not. You know what I mean? Like, toward the end, right. when Frank's by himself, and he, like, he just sitting there with this secret just in this old retirement home, and he just understands it. It's like, that's fascinating in, in its own right. You know, even though nothing crazy is happening, it's just this storytelling of how Scorsese approaches it is it's so, it's amazing, even though it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the craftsmanship, really. That's what it is. He's a master craftsman, and the uh, the uh, you know the camera is is his uh, his big canvas. That's what he uses, right. and he's he's it's it's his kind of filmmaking that sell we seldom see nowadays. Obviously, we're seeing some versions of it with you know Todd Phillips and Todd Phillips Joker. <laughs> we're seeing it with Noah Baumbach and and Marriage Story, uh, displaying you know a, a toxic relationship, which obviously Scorsese is well known for doing. Goodfellas, both Wall Street, you know, exp- exploring love, marriage, relationships. He knows right. he knows that world. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I love the Irishman. I love the ensemble cast that they had. I mean, majority Amer- majority Italian Americans. I mean, Ray Romano was fantastic in it. You know, uh, Sebastian Maniscolco, uh, the guy who played um. Bobby Cannavale, you know, yeah, you had a really breadth of of experience uh, amongst these supporting actors, most of which were comics. You know, that's the funny thing. Bobby Cannavale and Sebastian Maniscolco, like they're and Ray Romano, they're all stand up comics. That's their role. Yeah, no. and I think that 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 you know, that's what Scorsese does is is that he empowers he empowers comedians and filmmakers and, and people from all walks of life and brings them onto the set where they're yeah. all unified. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like, <clears throat> and plus two score says he must have like an eye for that where he understands like, I know you're known for this thing, but talent wise, I know, I know you could do this. Like I would have never thought in a million years Ray Romano would be in a Scorsese movie and not just be like what he was when he was on his TV show. You know, it just, it was mm-hmm. cool to see that. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Sally Bugs. Uh, yeah. But I believe that was like Jason. Or I, I kept thinking it was Jason Schwartzman forever. And I was like, oh, that was cool that he was in it. Turns out it wasn't. Uh, but, like, still, like, you could have, like, those type of people. Jesse Plemons, too. It's like, to work with, oh, like, yeah. Get, yeah, to work, also get Jesse in there as well. And, like, understand that Scorsese is not married to the fact that 
De Niro and Pesci and, and Ray Liotta have to be in the movie. He, he sees and recognizes young talent coming up. Same thing with like Jonah Hill. I mean, he just understood. It's like you would have never thought like the guy from Superbad would be able to do a movie like that with Scorsese. But he obviously sees it. Yeah. And he, he gets to make it work. It's like the fact that he was able to get a character like that into this movie with Jonah Hill. I mean, I obviously it kickstarted something for him. And, and now look at Jonah now. He's able to direct his own movies. And it almost like became a stepping ladder for him to do something else and step out of that comedy role. Oh, 100%. That's what that's what Martin Scorsese says he does. Like I said, he empowers these actors. And Jonah Hill is like a perfect case of it where he started like he was like known as like the old, the, the funny fat kid. Yeah. And in Superbad and in uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin and whatever other films he was in. And now it's completely turned around where he's he directed Mid-90s, which was a fantastic film. Fantastic um, Oh yeah, yeah. And and he's he's in um he was in War Dogs with Todd Phillips. That was a great movie. He's do he he's really expanding who he is as a filmmaker, as an artist, and and I'm not gonna say he owes it all to Scorsese because he's his own man, but right. he owes the star to Scorsese. He got that first opportunity to work with him, and that's what really like launched him. Moneyball, yeah, you mentioned, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, it's just it, it's cool to see like those people. They don't have to be they don't have to be stuck in that type of mentality or that type of being typecast as that guy. It's like it's a person like Scorsese can do that, but they still need that, right? They still need that bigger budget that, you know, it can't always just go to like, you know, back to like the MCU. It can't all just go to them, right? Because then eventually mm-hmm. it becomes that and people are going to be like, is that all that's in theaters right now? I was kind of like, I wanted to see like a cool drama or, you know, maybe a cool war movie. No, it's just, it's always just this, you know, just because it'll bring. Right. Yeah. So you need that type of uh, variety, just at theaters, just to, just to keep things light and, and for the theaters as well, just to keep it coming. You know what I mean? Cause if you're always relying on just, you know, opening week for the next three weeks is going to be packed and then nothing else like then yes, the theater system will die out. Right. Cause then you'll, you'll just be only busy for the summertime and then mo- some of the holiday season, the rest of the time, they'll just be dead weight. hundred percent. I agree. Uh yeah. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to uh you, you wanted to bring up? You know, I <laughs> I got nothing. I'm good. Thank you though. Okay, yeah. Uh so um yeah, no, this was uh this was a great talk, man. I I enjoy it. You're actually the second guest I've ever had. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, we had a, a podcast called We Watched This. Um they were from Australia. They were our first uh first group and I was like it was cool to have and you know, it was cool to talk to you guys and unbranded. As well, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing what I could find as I'm just trying to grow my audience and, and just, you know, hearing other people's stories and just understand that they're going through the same thing that I'm going through as far as like trying to build a brand. And, you know, it's just a lot of trying things out. Some things don't work, some things do, but in the process, that's what it's about. Right. It's the process. That's what, that's where this all lies. It, it's in falling in love with the grind and not the success because the grind is what makes you a bigger, better person. Uh, and we do it because we're better for it. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, thank you so much. Was there a plug that you wanted to get out? Yeah, definitely. Um, follow us on Instagram at unbranded news, and that will take you to all the stuff. We have a website up. If you go to podcast, you'll be able to check out all the different podcasts we run. Um, and you'll be able to see the other film, other, other pages we have. Uh, and yeah, that uh, check out the great power podcast on all platforms. That's our film and television podcast, but, uh, thank you guys. Thank you, Mark, for having us on. It was a, it was a good time and hopefully we'll have you on our pod and we'll, um, we'll work on some more collaborations in the future. Oh yeah. I would love it. It's, it's, it's Shazab, right? Yeah, you got it. You got it. Okay, Shazab. Yeah. Thank you, Shazab. I really appreciate that, man. It's, it's been fun talking and, uh, I hope you guys have a great day. All right. You do. You too. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye.